Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. Each week, my podcasts are based on teachings from the Bible. It's wonderful to read and talk about Scripture. In 2 Timothy 3.16, we read, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Paul's point that he is making to Timothy and those who follow him is that God intends Scripture to change our lives. Every time we sit down with the Bible, we should expect a life-altering experience. Today's Gospel lesson is a good example. It's the story of what's come to be known as the Transfiguration of Jesus. It's an important moment in the relationship between Jesus and his disciples, and I would say with us. Like many important events in the Bible, it occurs on a mountaintop. In Mark 9, we read, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Here ends the reading. I am a flatlander. That's what people from mountain states call people born in Iowa like me. I grew up with vistas of cornfields stretching as far as the eye could see. I'd never seen a mountain, let alone climb one, until my sophomore year in college when I embarked on a car trip to California to take part in a poetry class in San Francisco. But I sat in rapt attention in the front seat of my roommate's 67 Ford Galaxy as the mountains reared up ahead of us out of the plains to the west. The real treat was when we stopped and scrambled up a peak next to a roadside overlook. The view was breathtaking, as was the altitude change to a flatlander. As I breathed the chilly thin air and looked out over the foothills we had just ascended, I had a sort of spiritual awakening, such as I would not have again for a long time. As John Denver put it, I had a Colorado Rocky Mountain High. My next mountaintop epiphany came many years later when I witnessed the sunrise atop Mount Sinai. We had been roused from bed by our Arab guide at 2 a.m. at St. Catherine's Monastery at the base of the mountain and trekked for hours up a rocky, moonlit path to visit the spot where Moses witnessed the burning bush. As the sun rose over the Gulf of Aqaba, pilgrims who had gathered there from around the world chanted and sang songs 
in their native languages. As the sky reddened and then separated into hazy layers of yellow, orange, umber, and red, I had another peak experience. I had never felt closer to God and more connected with creation. I can't imagine that Moses felt a much greater sense of awe than I did that morning. It's not surprising, then, that Peter, James, and John had a spiritual encounter when they followed Jesus up a high mountain. The four of them had been keeping a busy schedule, mobbed by people coming to Jesus for healing and teaching. This is shortly after Jesus preached to 4,000 people and miraculously, miraculously fed them with a meager amount of food. Now it's time for them to go away by themselves. I suppose that Jesus wanted to use the quiet time to put what they were doing into perspective. They were taking some time to go away on a spiritual retreat. Well, something amazing happens as they get to the top of the mountain. Jesus is changed or transformed in front of them. His clothes begin to glow supernaturally white. In addition to Jesus' transformation or transfiguration, as we call it, some surprising guests appear out of nowhere with them, Elijah and Moses. What's really surprising about this is that Moses and Elijah had been dead for over a thousand years. Jewish tradition had it that Elijah or Moses would return prior to the arrival of the Messiah. The obvious implication here is that Jesus is the Messiah. Peter's response is immediate. He nervously tells Jesus that he's lucky that he and James and John are with him. He proposes that they build three tents or tabernacles where they can worship these divine figures, including Jesus. We learn throughout the Gospels that Peter tries hard, but he often doesn't fully appreciate the miraculous things that occur around Jesus. He can only think of terms of religious tradition of which he is a part, which is completely understandable. For his part, Jesus doesn't comment on the tent building, but soon they are overshadowed by a cloud, and a voice out of nowhere says, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. When the cloud dissipates, Moses and Elijah are gone. Poof. As the story continues, we read, As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead could mean. Then they asked him, Why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? He said to them, Elijah is indeed coming first to restore all things. How then is, is it written about the Son of Man that he is to go through many sufferings and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did, did do him whatever they pleased, as it is written about him. Here ends the reading. Can you keep a secret? Jesus tells his three companions not to tell anybody what happened. Scholars call this the Messianic secret, the secret of the Messiah. 
Jesus doesn't want his true identity to be revealed. He doesn't want to stir up a big furor over the fact that he has arrived to take over the world with divine power. That isn't the way it's going to work. He's going to be a different kind of king. He has work to do first. After his teaching and healing and demonstrating God's love on earth, he's going to suffer and die and then be raised from the dead. And then people would understand what kind of king he was. In the midst of this story, something important happens. You probably noticed it. God speaks. We infer that it's God because he refers to Jesus as his son. The message that he has is simple, but oh so critical. He says, listen to him. It's not important that Peter, James, and John build little churches where they can fall down and worship Elijah and Moses and Jesus. Elijah and Moses had already done their thing. What God instructs them to do now is listen to Jesus. Listen to the teacher. Pretty practical thing. Listen to your rabbi. You won't have him around much longer, so you'd better soak up what he has to teach you. So the four of them go back down the mountain and get back to work, healing, preaching, and teaching. So it all boils down to this. God uses this amazing mountaintop experience to get our attention. Listen to him. Listen to Jesus. Well, how's that working out? Look around you. How well are we listening to Jesus? How well are you listening to Jesus? I have to answer for myself, probably not so well. I hear what Jesus says, or read it, but do I really listen? Am I taking these words to heart and obeying them? Ah, there's the rub. The question is for us is, how do we listen to Jesus? Notice that the voice is saying, listen to Jesus. We're not just to hear the words, we're to understand them and obey them. So are you listening? Let me suggest three ways in which we can listen to Jesus. The first way to listen to Jesus is through prayer. Now, I'm not going to split theological hairs over whether we should pray to God or Jesus, or the Holy Spirit for that matter. You may address your prayers to whomever you feel comfortable with, remembering that we believe in a triune God, and when we address one, we are addressing Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together. The important thing is to pray and keep praying. So don't fret about that. The message will get through. And pray with the expectation that you are being heard, even when it might seem that you are not. Jesus urged persistence in prayer when he said, Ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives, 
and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Pray with persistence and the expectation that your prayers are heard. Remember also that prayer is not a one-way street. When you pray, you're not just spewing words out into space. When we pray, we're not giving a speech. When we pray, we enter into a conversation. After we speak, we have to take time to listen. I have to confess that I can't say in what ways Jesus will speak to you. Some people actually hear an auditory message. For some, it's a spiritual sensation. For others, it's just suddenly knowing what to do. In all cases, it's a divine mystery. But go with it. Keep at it. Take, for example, you're having a problem dealing with your supervisor at work. Perhaps they're too demanding or telling you to do something that you think is wrong. Ask for help in prayer. You might pray, Lord, I don't know what to do. I want to do what's right, but I can't find the way. Give me guidance. Then take some time and listen. Remember, again, pray with expectation and persistence. The answer may not come right away. You may need to take Jesus' advice when he said, Whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. God will reward you by answering you. To listen to Jesus, keep on praying. Pray for a lifetime. A second way to listen to Jesus is through Scripture. Seems pretty obvious, doesn't it? The more you read the words of Jesus recording in the Bible, the more you will learn to recognize his voice. You will be able to hear him speak in your everyday life. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are chock full of the real words that he spoke. And those words are as valid today as they were then. That's what's so amazing. If I were going to direct anyone to one place to listen to the teachings of Jesus, it would be to the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew 5-7. to There you'll find what Jesus has to say about anger, revenge, loving enemies, prayer, giving, how to deal with money, worry, etc. And if you want a really quick summary, go to chapter 7, verse 12. In everything do unto others, as you would have them do unto you. Listen to that. You know, I used to watch The Simpsons. Believe it or not, it's full of spiritual and religious themes, even if it is a bit irreverent. In one episode, The Simpsons pastor, Reverend Lovejoy, is dealing with burnout. It's gotten so bad that any time anyone comes to him with a problem, all he can say is, read the Bible. Well, come to think about it, that's not such bad advice. Essentially, it's what 2 Timothy 3.16 says, Every scripture inspired by God is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, which is in righteousness. Get into a regular habit of listening to what Jesus has to say in the Bible.
listen to him. If you're in a pinch, I have daily one-minute Bible readings available at www.jmfaithatwork.com. That's where you've probably found this sermon. That's a start. Or just leave a Bible on your nightstand and read a short passage before you go to bed each night. Easy peasy. Unfortunately, the Bible can sometimes be hard to read. Let's face it. Even the so-called New Testament was written nearly two millennia ago in a land and culture far, far away. Just reading the Bible is useful without study, but delving into the history and the meaning of the text adds much greater depth to our conversation with Jesus. Join, joining a live Bible study group is the best way to increase your Bible knowledge and understanding. As a pastor, I led a faithful group of Bible students for 30 years. Several of the members attended for that whole time. And it amazed me how the Spirit worked among us each week as we all added our experiences and individual insights to the conversation. While I tried to add historical information and academic perspectives on biblical interpretation, it was the spirited interaction that provided the real value of the study. Our time together was one of the most important things that sustained me in my own life and ministry. For me, it was more of a time of learning and teaching. It's the thing I miss the most in semi-retirement. If you are a part of a church community, you undoubtedly have Bible study opportunities available. Give them a try. There is a lot of guidance out there from trained clergy and lay teachers and congregations. There are also innumerable Bible studies available online. You just have to go exploring and find the approach that resonates with you and which you can trust. You might even organize your own study around one of these resources. In addition to education, it's a good way to build a faith community around yourself. With all the emphasis on online learning, don't forget there are lots of old-fashioned books available as well. Build a Bible study library. Not to overlook the obvious, this sermon podcast is biblical-based. It is, in a sense, a little Bible study. You might want to use it as an anchor that you can start on your way to greater biblical knowledge. There are lots more of them out there like this. You will soon learn to whom it is profitable to turn for instruction. I don't know when and where you will have your mountaintop experience, but you will. It will be a moment when Jesus is transformed in front of you and your whole life, your whole reality is changed in an instant. Listen carefully. God is speaking. This is God's Son. Listen to Him. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. And may Jesus speak to you and grant you understanding.